Of course, like every other teenage kid, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. When I was 16 years old, I took off and drove across the country to Wyoming, went into the Wind River Range and discovered mountains. In 1973, Yvonne Chouinard founded Patagonia. I never wanted to be a businessman. All I wanted to do was do my craft and climb mountains. So then I had to figure out a way to where I was going to be a businessman, but I was going to do it completely on my own terms. Build the best product, cause no unnecessary harm, inspire and implement solutions to the environmental crisis. Join us at Patagonia.com. Welcome to the Dirtbag Diaries, a duct tape and beer production, with additional support from New Belgium Brewing, Kuat Racks, and Chaco. So who are you? What's your name? <laughs> are you in the are you in the recording booth while dad does this dirtbag diary story? No. It sure would seem like you are. Okay, okay, Dad's about to tell a story. Can you be quiet? Okay, shh. Okay, so Teb's joining me today, because that's how it works sometimes. But I've got a story for you guys today, and one I'm really excited about. I started thinking about my good friend Clay. He's about to get married. I'm really stoked for him. When I was 23, Clay let me live in his 1983 Westphalia as we meandered our way through the West, climbing as much as daylight would allow. A few years before that, Clay introduced me to the long, committing routes in the mountains, and I was hooked. I can't remember whose idea this road trip was, but I'd bet that it was Clay who formulated the plan. And it was Clay who introduced me to so many people that became lifelong friends. He was gregarious. I was shy. It was worked out. He even taught me how to cook something other than a quesadilla. Even as Clay hunkered down and followed his passion into medicine, he always kept encouraging me to do what I was doing out on the road. We'd catch up on one of his breaks from his residency and climb and hang out. Clay was friendly. He had a car that could you... Hang on. Dude, don't push buttons. Hey. Hey, gotta be quiet. Clay was a great traveling companion. He was friendly. He had a car you could live comfortably in, even if it broke down in interesting places, which in itself made it more interesting to travel with him. He did have his quirks. He didn't like wearing underwear. He owned one pair of Carhartts. But overall, Clay was an incredible friend suited perfectly for those formative adventure years. He was the swift kick in the ass that helped introduce me to the world of mountains and dirt roads with free camping. At some point, we all need that in our lives. You know, it's like you're scared to move forward. You just need something to give you a little nudge. This is Jonah Manning. You may remember him from the Be Mine episode. I mean, you can call it support, but really it's just like a little bit of a shove forward. And um, I'll never forget it because Widge was certainly that for me. Today, we bring you the story of the ultimate adventure partner. Because when that metaphorical door opens, it's a lot easier to walk through it when you have a little shove or someone to walk through by your side. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries.
So I was living in South Carolina. I was in high school when I met Widge. His dad was a was a big hunter, hence the nickname Widge, named after a type of duck called a widgeon. But if you knew Widge, then nothing really ever flustered this guy. And so um, the fact he had a name like named after a duck was just not something that was remotely on his radar as being an interesting topic. Jonah and Widge grew up in South Carolina. You know the top 50 country songs? The ones about hunting, fishing, trucks, love, and drinking? Well, that's pretty much the scene that they grew up in. And so the status quo was hunting, staying out late, um, partying a lot, and sort of living as teenagers do with very little sleep. But also sort of recognizing that, or at least he and I did, that this wasn't um, something that was going to sustain itself very well. That eventually, like, that either we were going to get hurt, get in trouble, or or not go to the places we really wanted to ultimately and succeed. Determined to get off the country song path he saw unfurling in front of him, Jonah enrolled in Sewanee, the University of the South, in Tennessee. Widge didn't have any interest in college, so he hung back in South Carolina for the year. It was sort of like jumping right back into the social scene that I had been working pretty hard to get out of. I knew a bunch of like fraternity people, and everyone was into doing exactly what we were doing, which is, you know, uh, expanding social circles and partying and I guess the Southern plan and, um, which was the only one who was just not into it. So when Jonah got the idea to take a year off from school and travel West, he invited Widge and Widge jumped at the chance. Yeah. His goal was to pee in all 50 states. He was completely not tied down to anything. He was unrestrained and no matter what other people are doing it's like oh if you want to try it we'll try it just i'll do anything i will say yes you propose it and i will say yes i fail forward Uh, you know, we packed up a truck and we followed a couple friends and we drove out to Jackson Hole for the summer. And that drive was sort of this iconic realization of just how much more was out there than just South Carolina and the East Coast. Sleeping on the stars, just finding little forest service roads to park and, and camp on and realized that we were having more fun just on a drive, you know, out west than we were having, you know, doing anything that we were doing in the south. And it sort of lit this sort of spark in us. Jonah and Widge spent the summer in Jackson Hole. Jonah worked until noon every day, which left them plenty of daylight for mountain biking around the Tetons. As summer shifted into fall, they considered ski bumming in Jackson for the winter, but decided against it. That, that didn't sound, um, in a way, challenging enough. Like, that was just, it sounded like fun. Someone told us about the Appalachian Trail, and the Appalachian Trail was more or less analogous to um, what we thought we wanted to get out of life, you know, sim- simple living, lots of hiking, very bit of suffering. It's like, well, is that something that's, you know, worth living your life with, or is that something you're supposed to dream about? So we started in Georgia in February, and and uh, it was one of those quintessential experiences where you sort of find the things that are important, which is hilarious because he, because he had this way of sprawling. Like he would sprawl when he slept, and he didn't necessarily mean anything by it. 
But it was so funny because you would end up like waking up in a like crumpled mass in the corner of, of the shelter and Widge would be like laying across your thermorest. And you're like, how did, what, how did the, and uh, people always saw it as like a personal challenge. If you could wake up next to Widge in a shelter and you're actually on your own thermorest, like you'd accomplish some like great task. Jonah and Widge finished the AT and then moved back to Suwanee. That fall semester, Jonah met Jamie and Rob. The four of them lived together that spring. And then the next fall, Jonah transferred to the University of Montana, and the other three followed him there. Although Widge never got any more excited about the idea of actually going to school. Just so long as he could go outside and run, then he was, you know, the happiest guy around. He goes squirrel hunting. I mean, he was funny because he didn't, you know, it didn't take much to please him. He would... I mean, he, he would sleep. He would almost bum around, but he always did so so cheerfully. Inspired by Jonah and Widge's adventure, Jamie and Rob decided they wanted to hike the ET as well. And Widge went along to hike the trail again. Jonah joined them for the first few days of hiking through Georgia before returning to Montana. When I left him on the trail, he never looked back. He never looked back. You know, he's just going forward. He's going hiking. And if Jamie and Rob want to join him for that hike instead of me doesn't matter. Like, it's not that he did or didn't love me, but he loved doing the things that we did together. It's so funny. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think that Widge is more important to Jamie than he was to me. Jonah was so generous to, to let me have him in my life. <laughs> this is Jamie Blythe. I've got four other dogs here, but none of them are Widge. <laughs> he was just special. <laughs> and they're all special, too, but he was, he was uh, I don't know, he wasn't much, so much of a dog. He was more like a person that looked like a dog. That's <laughs> he was. Yeah, so Widge is a chocolate lab. He was an important part of life. He's like a little brown guardian angel. Very <laughs> brown one. <laughs> Jamie, Rob, and Widge finished the AT. They spent some time on Jamie's family farm in Alabama. Then Rob got a job as a Knowles instructor. Jamie moved to Yosemite to work search and rescue. Neither Jamie or Rob could take Widge with them, so the three of them parted ways. And at that time, Jonah was still in Montana, and he was more stable than I was. So we just went back up, up to Jonah. So we, we kind of passed him back, you know, back and forth for a few years, depending on whose life was more conducive to having a dog. And I think in the end, looking back on it, it seems like Widge was always where, where he needed to be with the person who needed him the most. A year went by. Jonah finished school and started dreaming about sailing but a small boat in a vast ocean offered limited running opportunities. He would have hated sailing. He had no interest in being on a boat. I mean, all in all, his passion was running. And um, if you could, you know, walk out the door and start running, then it wasn't really for him. And then uh, I left the park service and moved up to Alaska and was in nursing school in Alaska at the time. And it kind of seemed like the tables turned and I was at a point in my life where and my life was more stable, but I kind of needed ways around. I fell in love and kind of left everything behind for, for that. 
and climbing had been part of my life for so many years and I was leaving it behind trying to find a more stable life and having a wish there made made that choice and that journey so much easier. So you know, the, the night where I I really questioned if I'd made the right choice and he'd always know if I was having a hard night and he'd come and crawl into bed with me and stick his head in my lap and he was just always right when you needed him. He got to be a pretty famous ski dog up in Alaska too, you know, so we get up, up to the run, we're about to ski down and it, his thing was that he'd flip over and go down head first on his back. <laughs> <laughs> he would slide down, you know, until until the powder got so deep, and then you know he snorkel his way down. Jamie found some of the stability she was looking for in Alaska. She finished school, got married, had Widge with her full time. Then her husband reached the point in medical school where he needed to start traveling for his rotations. And at that point in time, you know, Widge was getting—he was too old, and he couldn't go. He couldn't go to Africa with us, and he couldn't move every five weeks. And Widge got back to the farm before I did, <laughs> and the the pace was just right. Here's Jonah again. He's going to have a better time living on a farm when he's 13 years old than he would be if I were going on 20-mile runs and he couldn't go on those runs anymore. He wasn't capable, so he'd have to stay at home. But he could ride around that truck like a big cows and be super excited and go out for that walk and go out bass fishing. Like, that's a great place for an old dog. And so it was. And then he got to share what he shared with the rest of us with another human being, a man named Jimmy Blythe, Jamie's father. I, my dad, he's, he's always had depression, and he was going through a pretty rough time at that point in his life and needed somebody like Wiz around. <laughs> so um, once again, Wiz went where he was needed. Just the sweetest dog in the world and real, very, very smart. That's really the first dog I've ever had. We've had dogs that be just outside or on a farm or you know, we've got to have a dog that really stayed with me for what first one, you know, that rode around that much with me and no travel with me, so. This is Jimmy Blythe. No, I guess our favorite moment, maybe, was just sitting with him outside the little place where I had, I'd have lunch. Sitting out in the sun, him sitting there beside me, you know? That, and, and just riding back and forth with him. He's a great travel dog. He loved to ride. He, uh, one day he went out and started walking down towards, uh, down that driveway and just got about halfway and died, so. I buried him here on, on our property at the mountain and put a big old rock on top of it so vomits couldn't get it. And I miss him. <laughs> I'm having a hard time talking about him now because I'm getting, <laughs> I really do miss him. I've kind of <laughs> forgotten about him a little bit, but anyway, yeah, he, uh, he's a sweet dog. Turn around.
think I, I spent so many years trying to find the place in the world that felt like home. You know, just like growing up on a farm, you're so attached to a place and you know every tree and ditch and blade of grass and it's a really intimate knowledge. And so I kept traveling, trying to find that same same feeling and tried all these different places and they're all beautiful and loved getting to know them, but nothing ever felt like home. So I would have ended up coming home to the farm no matter what eventually, but the journey to, to get back here was pretty circuitous and I'm so grateful that it was and I probably wouldn't have taken such an extended journey to come back home if Witch hadn't been there and I haven't come as a companion made made going out and seeing places and being by myself so much easier because, you know, I wasn't really by myself. I always had a running buddy. <laughs> I always had somebody to ride in the truck with me. And... He admitted this very raw and powerful, soothing force upon people. It was just his presence that most people needed. And uh, Jamie and I were both the two people closest to him that got to experience it the most. And really, I mean, and gained the most by it. You know, we're definitely where we are today because of because of his influence. Well, I've got a picture of, of Widge actually on my desk, and it's my favorite picture. My, my ex-husband took it of him, and it was on our favorite trail in Alaska. So I called Crow Pass, and it's about, you know, about 26 or 27 miles, and we ran it with Widge. And about halfway through the, the trail, you know, you get up above tree line and I have this picture of Widge just running wide open right in front of me the whole time. And, and uh, that was always my my vision of him. He's always just running wide open <laughs> and, and just so exuberant and happy with life. Thank you to Jonah and to Jamie and Jimmy Blythe for taking the time to share their stories. You can find a copy of the picture of Widge from Jamie's desk on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today by Bradley Carter, Angie and the Car Wrecks, Paperboy, Black Pistol Fire, Runaway Dorothy, and Publish the Quest. Most of the tracks come from Mevio's Music Alley. We've posted links to the artists on our website. Thank you, Patagonia, for believing in the importance of storytelling. They've been supporting the diaries for eight years now, and we couldn't have done it for this long without them. They've got a new film out called Damnation, all about the history of dams in America and the American West. Saw it at Five Point. It was incredible. You can visit damnation.com backslash screenings to find out when it's coming to your town or watch it at Patagonia's Vimeo page. Chaco just hit the road for their 2014 Fit for Adventure tour. Track them down for giveaways, new products, music, and fun. You can visit them online at chaco.com. Additional support comes from New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. And from Kuat Racks. Their bike racks are the result of late nights at the office, countless hours in the saddle, and pound after pound of Guatemala's finest coffee beans. See their full lineup at kuatracks.com. This episode of the Dirtbag Diaries was produced by Becca Cajal and Jen Altschul. I'm Fitz Cajal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. Might as well be rocket ships